introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he pitches it to Mo Williams. Touchdown! You gotta be kidding me! Welcome back to another edition of the Climbing the Pocket podcast, special edition, first episode of the real season, the regular season. No more making up takes, no more talking out of our behinds. We actually have a real game to talk about. And since we got a real game, we got to go behind enemy lines and uh, you know, bring someone in here who knows a little bit more about this opponent than we do. But before we get in and bring our special guest on, Yo, wide receiver one, Miles Gorham. How you doing? How you been? How's it going, my man? What's up? I'm doing good. All right. Well, uh, that's a uh, you. You're yeah. not wasting any time having us get right down to business this evening. <laughs> I like it. You ready to go? Regular season it's is week here. one, man. Yeah, it is week one. And a uh, special guest coming in from the uh, the Falcoholic. Uh, you know, and it's week one it's a game against the falcons it's a team i can't really hate you know i spend much of my life in the city so you know it's probably the second team i cheer for the most but we got dw from the falcoholic coming on to help us get a better idea of what is going on with the falcons what we should expect what is going on my man dw how you doing i'm great i've got the my alcohol stash ready for the season so i'm gonna live up to the falcoholic name this season yep yeah and so as you know, we we you know we do just you know the the minimalist amount of research we can do to get things <laughs> ready for the show here. But you know, you make it easy. You just type your name in. You type in Falcoholic, and uh, yeah, the first question that they ask you on you know this getting to know DW section on the on the Falcoholic website here, you uh you basically call out right off the bat that you are a almost mostly functioning alcoholic. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. What's going on here? And uh, has this team driven you all the way into uh, the depths of alcoholism? Oh, absolutely they have. I mean, <laughs> without, have you watched this team in the past five years? Um, this, yeah, I've been watching them since 1980, 1981. My very first Falcon memory was the uh, Dallas Cowboys coming into Atlanta and beating them in the playoffs. So uh, I should have known then that this was going to be what I signed up for. Uh, and of course I've lived through some amazing eras, you know, the Dan Reeves era, the Bobby Petrino era. That, that, that um, was a short one though. The, that, that one didn't hey, That was a <laughs> very hey, short David. one. Yeah. Hey David, um, you want to talk yes, about, well, let's talk about my first Vikings memory too. Um, oh, no. <laughs> I'm a little younger, but not my first memory, but one of the, probably the, it's the one I remember the most. Uh, 1998. I mean, we can, yeah. we can talk about horror stories and, <laughs> and and where things go from from being fan, being a fan a, a diehard fan of a team and really seeing the trickle effect of a fifteen and one team best team in the NFL and losing oh man in the NFC Championship yeah so Miles <laughs> imagine all of what you just experienced what you just described now imagine living in Atlanta while all that was happening as a Vikings fan yeah oh, oh. But, yeah I mean I can't say anything just because <laughs> the way the I mean two was it two thousand seventeen I I mean. That's heartbreaking. I don't <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I almost quit being a fan, um, and then <laughs> once my liver recovered, uh, I, I decided that 
this is a version of hell and the punishment has to continue. So I've yep. continued to write for this guy. <laughs> oh man, we, we, we're all like in that same realm. Yeah, we're, in, we're on the yeah, same team. Yeah, we're all in it together. We're, we're, we're in it together, you know. And that's why, you know, there can't be too much hate between these teams, but we got to play a game. Uh, DW, I mean, you mentioned yep. it. You're in a special you know, realm of punishment. You're a glutton for punishment. You're, you're cheering for this team through all these years. But, you know, through all of this pain and misery, what was it that drove you, A, to become a Falcons fan, and then mm-hmm. to go even deeper into the fandom and start writing and podcasting about the team that's bringing you so much pain. <laughs> I, oh God, I, I, I pay someone like $200 an hour to help me answer those questions, but I guess I'll tell you guys. Um, yeah, I, I honestly don't even remember how I became a fan because my mother was a Cowboys fan growing up i was actually born in texas so i have like a like a heritage right to be a cowboys fan a, a real one not one of the you know usual ones you see across the country um but i chose the falcons grew up in atlanta um started writing for falcoholic in 2011 uh when i think you know a lot of fans were really beginning to get really excited about the the long-term potential of the team matt ryan had been you know drafted a few years earlier uh and i you know th- We've seen a lot of good stuff through the years. Uh, you know, the Mike Vick years were a lot of fun um, up until 2007. Uh, you know, the Matt Ryan years have you know, arguably been some of the best in this franchise's history. So there, there's been some good stuff, um, but I think it's like with anything, you know, you, you you get into it and it's hard to get out of it. So it's it's like the mafia, and I feel like I get kneecapped every year. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, the only thing you guys have on us, especially, is the fact that you at least have a franchise quarterback and have had one for over <laughs> ten years. That must be nice, because um, I'm a I'm a huge Matt Ryan fan. I'm a I'm Matt Ryan stan. I like to say, so I, I believe he's the most Excellent. underrated quarterback in the league. Uh, Thank you. Jason's heard me say it plenty of times. I, I'll defend him to the once death. Or twice, once or um, twice. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Just talking about the Falcons in general, though, we'll talk about. We'll go back down to the, the uh, talking about offense. Uh, do you think Julio is going to play this weekend? Kind of, what's your intel on that? And what uh, what do you think is going on with this contract situation? It really feels like um, I'm speculating here, but it really feels like in his last couple of contracts that he's really had it written in there that if some wide receiver comes in and surpasses his uh, his contract, that it gives him the the right to like renegotiate a new contract. That's the speculation, but Kind of wanted to bend your ear about it a little bit. Yeah, it, I I think what will ultimately happen is he's going to get a new deal very soon. I uh, I'm not sure if it's going to happen this week. Arthur Blank said in the interview this week that he would be disappointed if it didn't happen this week. Um, and when the billionaire says he's going to be disappointed about something, he usually get what, gets what he wants. Um, and Julio's media availability is tomorrow. It's Thursday, so. Uh, it would not shock me if a new deal got announced tomorrow morning. Um, and I think if one does get announced, it's going to be like a, a big, big contract. I would think it's going to be rather than north, the, the little extension that he had before. No, I think they're going to go for the big dollars. I think they want to um, leap past Michael Thomas. Yeah, and they're going to put it in the range where the next guy behind them is not going to like beat it. Uh, so that Julio will stay the top receiver for a couple of years. It wouldn't surprise me if it averages between 22 and 23 million per year, as opposed to the 20 that uh, Michael Thomas got. Oh my um, God. So, yeah, I think that's, I think 
we'll see something around that range. Um, and, and I think that's why it's taking so long for it to get done. Even if it doesn't get done, I, I think Julio still plays this weekend. All right. Well, if Julio plays, one of the big things that Vikings fans have been talking about a lot this week is that uh, Xavier Rhodes might actually be the, the man who has Julio's number just based on you know some of the stats that have been put up the last few times these teams have uh, matched up against one another. From the perspective of the Falcons and Falcons fans, are you worried about Xavier Rhodes shadowing Julio in this game? Um, not necessarily. And, and it comes down to the fact that uh, if, if he gets taken on by Xavier Rhodes, it's going to free up um, Calvin Ridley, Muhammad Sanu, Austin Hooper. Um, and I think that's what's a, a little bit different about the Falcons now uh, than, you know, maybe a couple years ago is they've got some other weapons. You know, Calvin Ridley, I think it somehow flew under the radar last year with the national media, but he had like a, a really, really good rookie season. Um, and that's because he was seeing a lot of single coverage because Julio demands, you know, attention from defensive coordinators. Uh, and I think that's something where, uh, yeah, I have a ton of respect for Xavier Rhodes. Um, I think he came out in the same draft class where we got Desmond Trufant. Um, and those guys can just ball. And uh, I, I think he, even if he shuts down Julio, um, it's going to, be one of those things where you have to pick your poison. You know, Calvin Ridley gets single coverage. He is incredible uh, in shaking, you know, corners off of him. Okay, so Julio is really the only storyline, I'll be honest, that, like, has made it to really, I guess, the national media will say, where that's something that's getting a lot of coverage. Mm -hmm. What other storylines that are important have been, you know, kind of bubbling around the Falcons season? What other things should we, as as fans going into this game, be aware of that's happened with the Falcons this offseason? Uh, several things. Um, number one, you know, they, they've revamped the offensive line, uh, something I know you guys are familiar with in, in oh, Minnesota. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? Oh, uh, quarterback <laughs> issues? All this stuff? What are we talking about? <laughs> what is that? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Falcons have a good left tackle and Jake Matthews, Alex Mack is fantastic at center. Um, but they literally are replacing everyone else on the line. We've got, um, First first year, uh, first round guard, uh, Chris Lindstrom at right guard. We're not sure. We think James Carpenter is going to start at uh, left guard. And then there's one of three guys that could be starting at right tackle. Um, so going up, like I'm, I'm waking up with cold sweats, thinking about Griffin, Joseph, Hunter going up against, um, you know, this reworked offensive line. I think that is a major story going into this game. Um, and I think the other area is that Dan Quinn has now taken back over the defensive play calling for uh, the Falcons. And we know, you know, how good he was in Seattle as a defensive play caller. Um, the back end of 2016, when the Falcons went to the Super Bowl, uh, Dan Quinn was calling that defense at that point in time when they were, you know, beginning to really, uh, you know, come together as a unit. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on as well. You know, I think a lot of people think Falcons defense, oh, you know, you're going to score on them. And, and I'm not sure that that's going to be as much the case this year. I think it's, it's a unit that could surprise some people. All right. Well, one of the things we know, the Falcons, uh, they were, they were a bit snake bit last season. And uh, you mentioned the defense. Uh, <sighs> not a lot of the players who are good on that defense were still playing when the season was over. Uh, can you, I guess, help us understand? Yep. Because like you said, the perception of the Falcons defense is that it's a defense that's easy to score on. But some of that might have been colored by the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, you guys dealt with 
we'll say a handful of injuries last year. Can you help us understand which players were out, uh, you know, what positions they were out from, and how many of them are going to be ready to play when uh, the, the teams hit the field this weekend? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and, and the big thing here is that uh, all of these injuries happened at the very beginning of the season. So the first injury that happened was strong safety Keanu Neal. Um, he is the cam chancellor of this defense. Uh, you know, people always use that comparison, but it's an apt one. This guy can hit like a freight train. Um, the ghost of Willie Sneed is still wandering around Atlanta somewhere. The man was nearly decapitated three years ago by, by Keanu Neal. Um, he's a, actually a, both a hard hitter and really good in coverage. He covers tight ends really well. He went out with an ACL tear in the very, very first game. A um, couple games later, Ricardo Allen, our free safety, who is the quarterback of the defense, arguably the smartest guy in the field, the guy that gets everyone aligned, he went down against the Saints uh, with a torn Achilles. And then Deion Jones went out with a foot injury, um, I think, uh, one game later. And those, literally all three of those guys are three of the key leaders, the play callers on the defense. So it wasn't just the talent. All three of those guys are incredibly talented. It was the fact that all three of them were leaders on the defense and they went out and they were out for the majority of the season. You know, it wasn't something where we lost them in game 12 or game 15. We lost all three of these guys within the first three games of the season. Uh, so it was a devastating blow. All three are back. All three are 100%. Allen and Neil played the entire preseason. Deion Jones was still um, healing, but he is uh, going to play this Sunday. He's 100%. Um, and this is a really, really fast defense, like from top to bottom, defensive line, uh, corners, uh, linebackers. These guys can fly. So uh, they're healthy. Uh, they're back on the field for the first time in the year. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a big difference. Yeah, talking about defense, David. Um, I was a big Brian Poole fan. I know he was he went undrafted uh, out of out of Florida a few years ago, but I was a big fan of his, and I know he had a big impact in your guys' uh, Super Bowl run. Him and uh, Robert Alford are are gone. Pretty much uh, sent packing this off season. Uh, yep. Can you talk a little bit about why both those guys were were let go? Uh, so I'm going to give you a three part question here. Um, first, talk sure. about Brian Poole and Alford, why they were let go, and why you think. Uh, both guys were uh, were pretty much sent packing. Uh, the next question is pretty much just going to be about uh, uh, defensive expectations. With that, like, or, or no, sorry, uh, who do you believe is going to be uh, repl- who, who's going to be replacing those two guys in your defense? Mm-hmm. And then, lastly, like overall defensive expectations for this team. Sure. Um, so I, I was a huge Brian Poole fan. Uh, the guy could lay the wood. Uh, and for some reason, he always did it against like Aaron Rodgers. Um, the guy absolutely destroyed Aaron Rodgers uh, multiple times, like on corner blitzes. So I was we a love, huge Brian Poole fan. love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you guys would like that. Um, so, uh, and Robert Alford was, um, he was a good corner while, was, while he was here. Uh, he was playing through some injuries last year. Um, I think the reason they were both let, uh, allowed to walk was they the Falcons actually had two young guys um, that they believed were going to step in behind them. Uh, so to your point, I, I think they were allowed to walk because they had faith in the two young guys that would be replacing them. Um, Robert Alford is being replaced by last year's second round pick for the Falcons, Isaiah Oliver. Um, he is the prototypical Dan Quinn corner. He's long. He's got long arms. He's tall. Uh, he's he can move quickly. Um, we're really excited about his potential um, within this defense. 
And then in the slot is going to be DeMonte Casey. Uh, he made some noise last year because when Ricardo Allen went down, they put him in at free safety, and all he did was lead the league in interceptions. The guy is just an absolute ball hawk. He's also uh, like a crazy hard hitter. He loves to to get in there and mix it up. Uh, I think he he got thrown out of a game for hitting uh, Cam Newton on a slide. Uh, so he's he is an intense player. Uh, and those are the two guys that um, are coming in behind him. Both young guys, both with a ton of upside. KZ in particular had a monstrous uh, season last year. Like I said, I think he had six or seven interceptions. It was top of the league. Um, and again, you know, sort of flying under the radar from a national perspective. But uh, he'll see the field a lot as the slot corner this year. Yeah, that I mean that makes a lot of sense. I mean, and obviously with the cap situation and paying guys like Matt Ryan and Leo Jones, yep. you're really going to have to try to rely on some young young guys on uh, rookie contracts. Um, so that makes a lot of sense, and I Absolutely. think you make some really good great points. Um, again, speaking on defense, what uh, what kind of expectations do you have for the overall defensive side of the ball this year? Um, cautiously optimistic. Um, the you know with this Falcons defense, it's going to come down to. Uh, obviously keeping guys healthy, knock on wood. Um, but the defensive line is still a question mark. Uh, we've got Grady Jarrett in the middle, who I think is, um, you know, rising quickly as one of the best young defensive tackles in the league. Uh, we just recently got him, uh, you know, signed to an extension. They brought in Alan Bailey from Kansas City, Tyler Davidson from uh, New Orleans. Uh, Adrian Claiborne has come back. Tack McKinley, our first round pick from a couple years ago, has looked really, really good. This um, uh, this preseason, uh, Vic Beasley Jr. I think most Falcons fans are ready to move on from at this point. Um, but across the board, you know, we've got some good safeties, we've got some promising uh, corners, we've got some freakishly fast linebackers. Uh, the talent is there, and I, I think fans are optimistic with Dan Quinn calling this defense now. I don't know that there'll be a top ten unit. But with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones on the other side of the ball, we're hoping that they'll be like a top 15 unit, which should be enough to help get them back to the playoffs. All right. So, yeah, that, that's great. Makes sense, too. Cautiously optimistic is what you said kind of about the defense. <laughs> I like that. That sounds like something a Vikings fan would say about just everything related to football, <laughs> period. But um, as you think about this game and you're, you're looking at the matchups, uh, what matchups have you most nervous heading into this game? Oh, I'm I'm petrified of Griffin, Joseph, and uh, Hunter taking advantage of this offensive line. Um, I, I like what the Falcons are doing with the offensive line. Uh, they invested two first-round picks in this draft to try to fix it. But offensive line takes more than just one game for those <laughs> for that unit to come together. Uh, again, I know Vikings fans can absolutely relate to that. Um, and I have a tremendous amount. Of, I, I've argued that Linval Joseph is one of the most underrated defensive tackles in the league. Uh, the guy's a baller. Uh, you know, Daniil Hunter is a beast. Uh, and Griffin obviously can destroy, you know, uh, any offensive line. So uh, that's the, the matchup that has me uh, the most nervous. I will say this. Uh, one of the things Matt Ryan has gotten uh, progressively better at that I don't think many people in national media know about is that he is incredible at moving around in the pocket and buying himself another split second of time to make a play happen. Uh, you know, most people think of him as someone that is, you know, sort of stoic in the pocket. He actually moves around really well. 
uh, and buys just enough time, I think he's going to be moving around a lot on Sunday. Um, so that's the matchup I'm looking at. The offensive line, can they buy Matt Ryan just enough time to connect with guys like Jones, Ridley, Sanu, et cetera? Okay, so you've mentioned the weapons a couple of times here. I guess the next question is, where do you expect Atlanta to have the biggest advantage in this game? Um, it, I don't know that there's going to be a significant advantage because, you know, like I said, I've got a ton of respect for Rhodes. Uh, I know Trey Waynes is going to be on the other side. Um, I, I think if there's an advantage, it's going to be when they have three receivers on the field, uh, which the Falcons like to run a lot with uh, Calvin Ridley coming in uh, in those nickel sets. Uh, he is uh, freakishly athletic, and he's got that the wiggle and shake to be able to um, you know, break guys free and, and find himself wide open. And like I said, he's one of those guys that because Julio demands so much attention, um, he sees a lot of one-on-ones, and Ryan has already shown that he will throw it to him uh, if he sees a one-on-one matchup. So uh, if there's going to be a significant um, you know, favorite for the Falcons. And I, I wouldn't even call it that uh, it's, it's going to be the wide receivers. Cause I, I like the, the trio of uh, Julio Sanu and Ridley in this matchup. Hey miles, you should be happy though. We have lots of depth at cornerback, so that shouldn't be a problem, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what we, what's the new guys more? We have Mark fields. I mean, there we go. <laughs> we're set. <laughs> that shouldn't be a problem. All right, and man. So, an amateur injury, so, I mean, yeah, we're, we're all good. We're all good to go. Yeah, we're good. We're uh, good. All right. All right, DW. So before we get you out of here, just a couple more questions before we go. We need a bold prediction for this game. Anything. What's, what's the boldest thing you think is going to happen? Uh, um, I think Matt Ryan, and, and I don't take this as any disrespect because I, I, I think the Vikings defense is absolutely phenomenal. Um, but I saw something from Matt Ryan a couple weeks ago uh, when he went up against the Jets uh, when uh, <clears throat> Greg Williams, uh, who is the biggest dumpster fire of a human being that's ever been in the NFL, uh, which I know Vikings fans will absolutely agree with. Um, Greg Williams was on the other side calling the defense, and he, in a preseason game, was blitzing the Falcons like his life depended on it. Um, that in, that even sound with like Greg Williams at all, that's not the Greg Williams <laughs> that I know. I mean, that's crazy. No, he's such a he's such a calm man. Uh, yeah, he's such a great guy. Um, no, he was blitzing like crazy. The Falcons' offensive line was struggling. Ryan was scrambling like crazy, and Ryan still managed to complete ten out of the fourteen passes, and three of the four uh, incompletions were drops. Uh, so even with that pressure coming in on him. Uh, he was he would have completed 13 to 14 passes against this insane amount of pressure coming from you know trash human being Greg Williams um, and it showed me something that I hadn't seen in a while and that is even if this offensive line doesn't hold up uh, Matt Ryan has like he's he's playing at another level the past several years and I, I feel like people don't see that you know that don't watch the game or don't watch the Falcons consistently. I think he's going to throw for over 300 yards in this game because he has uh, just hit his stride as a quarterback. Um, I think he'll throw for over 300 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, so that, that's my bold prediction in this game. All right. Well, ooh, Matt Ryan's putting up those numbers. The next thing is, what's your score prediction? How do you think this game's going to go? Um, I still think it's going to be close uh, because, again, you know, I just have a, a ton of respect for this Vikings defense. 
Uh, and honestly, you know, when I look at the offense, you know, I look at Thielen, uh, Diggs, although I'm not sure what his health status is going to be, um, you know, Kyle Rudolph uh, and uh, Cook in the backfield. And, I, you know, I'm, I actually really like Kirk Cousins. I think he's a better quarterback than people give him credit for. Um, I think this is going to be one of those games where it's going to go back and forth, not necessarily a high scoring game. Um, but I'm, I, I predicted like 17, 14 with the Falcons just edging it out. Uh, but I could see it going the other way just as well. I mean, can't really be mad at you for that score prediction. That sounds like something a Vikings fan might say too. So, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there, there are a lot of parallels between the Falcons and Vikings. It sounds like well, yeah. last thing here. And I thank you so much for coming on and, and making time for all this. Where can people find you on social media? Where can they find your work and where can they find your podcast? Yeah. Um, you can find me on the Twitters at Falcoholic DW. Uh, I'm there frequently and probably too often. Uh, you can find my articles at thefalcoholic.com. And the Falcoholic podcast is on every fantastic major platform, iTunes, Google, etc. cetera. Uh, we've got our weekly podcast, our post-game podcast, and my partner, Gina Thomas, has started our new Versus podcast where we preview the game coming up with uh, the opposing site uh, to get their thoughts on how the matchup looks and what their team looks like. So uh, we've got that and you guys can find that of course at SB nation. Awesome. Awesome. And this really wasn't in the show notes, but last question. I mean, you, you've mentioned a couple of times here that the Falcons drive you to drink. What, what's, what's your poison? What's your drink of choice, man? Uh, <laughs> these days, um, either vodka or tequila or whiskey oh or rum oh, or scotch. So we're starting, or to, see, we're starting beer the season off on the hard or, stuff then. I mean, we're not even working up to it. We're just oh. getting right into business. Oh, man. If you if you went through the Falcon Super Bowl, you would start with the hard yeah, stuff, that, too. That is, that is a fair point. Well, uh, DW, thank you <laughs> so much for uh, for making the time. Miles, thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah, listeners, thanks for sticking with us. We will uh, talk to you soon. Have a good one. <laughs>